I would imagine that it's not going to take long for some of these things to really shift. And I just think as the church, we tend to lag behind shifts in technology pretty consequentially. And I think it's important that we are open to embracing the advances in this technology with a proper ethical framework, right? As you just said, without our ethics, we are nothing. Without our morals, we are nothing. So I think that we need to, you know, guard ourselves and, and be cautious. But at the same time, I think we'd be, we'd be ignorant to not pay attention. Welcome to the AI for Churches podcast. Our goal is to empower church leaders just like you to harness the power of artificial intelligence for sermon prep, outreach, worship, and so much more. We do this by providing you with exclusive insights from AI experts, church leaders, and innovators from around the globe who are actively leveraging AI to amplify the gospel and reach people for Christ. I'm your host, Cassandra Robinson, and the AI for Churches podcast starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to AI for Churches podcast, where we talk all things faith, innovation, and AI. We have Bart Blair on the show today. Welcome, Bart. Thanks, Cassandra. Thanks for welcoming me. Glad to be on the show. Absolutely. Bart has over 20 years of experience in church planting and pastoral ministry. Bart works with church leaders to plan and execute amazing digital outreach strategies to reach more people for Christ. He has a very clear calling and gifting in helping churches turn their focus towards impacting communities for Jesus and understands the need to prioritize those marketing efforts based on each individual church's unique circumstances and needs. <laughs> I don't know who wrote that, but I sound really great. Thank you, Cassandra. <laughs> You're I'm welcome. not sure who wrote that, but it sounds really good. <laughs> maybe it's because you are really great, Bart. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Well, today we're going to talk about bridging the gap, the content creation gap for church plants specifically, and how AI can be leveraged by church plants to really streamline and supercharge their social media and outreach. Yeah, I'm excited about the conversation. <laughs> so to start us off, Bart, tell us a little bit about your background, your experience as it relates to AI and church planting. Well, I've been, as you just so eloquently <laughs> explained, I've been in ministry for over over 20 years. Uh, my first ministry role was as the worship pastor and creative arts director at a church plant in the Toronto area. And that was early 2000s. And in the early 2000s, because I was the worship pastor, creative arts director, and like most people in church plant ministry, there was always that and other duties as assigned clause in my work employment description. And I ended up learning to be the guy who learned how to do social media, learned how to do web when, mm. when social media became mm -hmm. a thing, learned how to do websites, served on staff of that church for about a decade, and then moved out to Alberta and helped plant a church southeast of Calgary. Ended up being the senior pastor of that church for about five and a half years. And again, small church, small church plant, doing everything that we could to figure out how to leverage digital tools, digital resources, and the internet to reach the people that we believe that God had called us to reach. I moved back to Texas in 2018, which is where I'm from. Shortly after I moved back, I uh, connected with missional marketing and, and started serving as a digital marketing coach and kind of a church growth strategist in that space, really helping churches 
expand their digital footprint using the internet, social media, digital marketing. And now my wife and I have actually just recently moved to a new community in the Northeast Dallas area. And we are in the early stages of planting another church here in, in Dallas. So I've got my, my gig with missional marketing. I still work with the church planting, church revitalization ministry that I've been affiliated with for, for a number of years uh, to the denomination that I serve in. And now we are in the early stages of church planting. So you and I had a conversation kind of leading up to this, this podcast mm-hmm. interview. And I am a person who's not afraid of technology, but I've been very, very skeptical about how churches can use or should use AI. And I've been experimenting with it a little bit, especially as we've been getting going here as a church plant and uh, learning a few things as we go. So I I guess maybe we'll we'll dive into some of those things that I've been learning. Yeah, and we're here to learn together. As many of the other guests have said, AI is in a sort of wild, wild west phase and stage. And so many new tools are coming out on daily, even weekly basis. And so we're here to learn together. That's the purpose of this podcast is to empower pastors like yourself and church leaders to leverage AI, the digital technology that's out there to reach more people ultimately for, for Christ and for the building up of God's kingdom. So I'm excited to dive in today and appreciate you sharing your background, Bart. So you mentioned that you are right now even currently planting a church. So talk to me a little about about the nuances of church planting versus a more established church and how maybe church planters could leverage AI more so than maybe a church that's been around for 30 years and already has their systems and processes in place. Yeah, I think, you know, part of it is is philosophical just in terms of how you utilize your digital platforms. And, you know, because I'm on the missional marketing team, and if the person or people listening to or watching this podcast pay any attention to what uh, Jason Hamrock and I perpetually preach about our digital presence, we always talk about leveraging content. The local church is a content machine. The pastor's creating new content every week. Ministry leaders are creating new content for their unique ministry ministries. And we want to see churches leverage that content to reach more people, whether it be content that is that makes your website more searchable, more findable online, or you're creating content that you're actually using in social media or on your website to actually be a blessing and to be a benefit to people. And so, you know, most of the time with church plants, you have to have a digital presence. So you launch a website and you launch social media channels, but In the early stages, we're still in team building. Most of what's happening is happening in our home and around our dinner table. There's not a lot of content being created because most of the emphasis is on Mm. relationships and relationship building, yet we still Mm. want to have a robust presence online. We want to utilize our website for more than just a, a brochure about who we are and what we think we're going to do, but we actually want to create content that's going to benefit people. And so I'm working a full-time job. I'm planting a church. I've built a website and I want to have content on the website and I want to have content that's helpful and useful. Now, I I would consider myself a pretty strong writer, but I'm not necessarily a fast writer. And so one of the first things that I've utilized some AI tools to do is actually to start blogging and creating Mm -hmm. some content so that we can actually fill out our website with content that's helpful for people. We've written a a handful of articles on things like, you know, Mm -hmm. marriage relationships, parenting relationships, grief, anxiety, things that we know people in our community are wrestling with. And I'm not preaching sermons on those things yet, but I can still create that content and I want to crank it out in a 
pretty efficient way because I just don't have a ton of time to give to it. So I've utilized, you know, ChatGPT and some other tools to help create some outlines, to help think through some, some key bullet points that might be helpful in some of these articles. I would say that most of what, you know, I get coming back to me from the artificial intelligence uh, machines still feels pretty artificial. It doesn't feel natural. So there's still a lot of work that has to go into massaging that content, putting my voice to it and making sure that it's, you know, theologically sound and make sure that it's really hitting where I want to hit. But that's been one of the things that we've done. I sat down on a couple of Saturday mornings and within a couple of hours had cranked out, you know, six or seven blog posts. Whereas pre chat GPT, I probably would have spent about an hour or more on each one of those blog posts, but I was able to sit down and in an hour have you know three pretty much ready to go and ready to publish. And so that's been one of the early benefits that I've I've seen in utilizing that as a, as a church planter. That's so neat. Versus spending an hour on each blog post, you were able to save several hours and crank out six or seven. Yeah, as much as anything else, you know, I, again, I'm skeptical about the way pastors can and should be using. AI in terms of producing content. But one of the things that I think we're mm-hmm. going to see very quickly is that it's really going to help us be more efficient with our time. And that's you know less time sitting at the desk and more time meeting with people. That's the ultimate goal and the role of a local pastor, of a shepherd of a church community. Although we need to be doing those things. We need to be writing sermons. We need to be writing content for our website. We need to be able to write and create resources that help the people in our church and help the people in our community. But ultimately, we should be driven more by the time we spend outside of our office than we do sitting in our office. And so I think AI will help us do that. And since I'm not a pastor, or I don't know all the different hats that you have to wear as a senior lead pastor. And so can you t- give us a little bit of insight on you know what that looks like and potentially the amount of time it could help save you to meet? be more intentional with your congregation and meet with your people. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't speak for every pastor because every pastor has sort of a, every pastor has sort of a different rhythm when you're in a small church or a church plant, you know, you don't have a multitude of staff people to respond to the needs of people in the community. Mm-hmm. It's you for, for right now. It's for the most part, it's my, my wife and me. And we, you know, we're building a, a small team that we are praying will grow into, you know, being a core group that will ultimately, you know, launch a a church and public, you know, weekend worship services and, and that expression of church. But there's obviously meeting needs of people. We've, you know, got a couple we're connected with right now that the wife had surgery yesterday. And so, you know, we Mm. are kind of their spiritual, we're kind of their spiritual leaders at this point. So we need to be present and we need to Mm -hmm. be able to attend to what they're experiencing. My wife and I, you know, Mm -hmm. tomorrow morning are are going to meet with a a lady that uh, reached out to us who's having some issues in her marriage. And we're going to go sit down Mm. and, and spend time with her. And while I wouldn't consider myself a counselor, I have a responsibility, I think, on on one level to respond to the request that she's made. And so, you know, being able to say yes when people ask for help, you know, there's a fine line as a pastor between being too available and there's, there's always a tension. You know, you got to manage your family. I don't, I don't have kids left at home. My wife and I are empty nesters, so we have a little bit more flexibility. But, you know, if you're a, a pastor with, you know, two or three or seven kids at home, I don't know why pastors often have as many children as they do, but many of them often have lots of kids. Every time you say yes to something is saying no to something else. And a lot of times we say yes to things in ministry and it's 
our family is the one that we end up saying no to. And so, you know, when it comes to preparing for sermons or writing content for your website or creating your discipleship content that you're using, writing Bible studies or devotionals or things that you want to, to use to help you people in your church grow in their relationship with Jesus and grow in their relationships with one another, you know, it takes time. And Jason and I, you know, talk to church leaders, all, all of our coaches at Missional Marketing, we talk to, to church leaders all the time about repurposing their sermon content, creating mm-hmm. new content for website, for emails, those sorts of things. And most of the time they simply say, I just don't have time. I spend, you know, 12 to 15 hours in a week preparing my sermon. I've got staff meetings, team meetings, small groups, Bible studies to prep for, you know, you've got all kinds of things going on. Yet, you really do need to be creating content and whether that's your sermon or, you know, content that goes along with your sermon and things like, you know, small group discussion questions, you write the sermon, you still need to put together your small group discussion questions, or you write your sermon, you still have to put together your PowerPoint or your keynote presentation that goes along with it. So there's a lot of stuff in terms of the content creation space that does tend to take quite a bit of time. And the more we're able to use, I think, AI tools, to find efficiencies in those things, you know, you cut 10, 15, 20 minutes out of 10 or 15 different things, you've just bought yourself quite a bit of time back. Wow. That's pretty incredible insight into all the moving pieces that pastors come up against on a weekly and daily basis and how AI could potentially just cut off or shave off, like you mentioned, 20 to 30 minutes of each of those tasks and it, it accumulates into something yeah. substantial. But then they they can reinvest back into their families or back into house calls or prayer or just time in the word. Why not leverage these tools? So that begs the next question, Bart, what are some of those tools or technologies do you recommend for church planters to grow their reach and generate like SEO rich content. They know they need to do it. They're not doing it because they're bogged down. You mentioned chat GPT. Is that the only one that you've currently played around with? It's the only one that I've I've really invested enough time in to say that I know how to write the prompts that I need to get the content that I'm looking for. I've tried to utilize some image creation software. One of the things that I discovered is that those that are free aren't very good. And those that you have to pay for, I just can't justify paying for them yet. But I see other things that other people are doing and go, wow, there's some pretty, some pretty incredible stuff. You know, I'm writing a sermon, actually just you know, finished this morning, a sermon that I'm I'm preaching at a church that I'm visiting this weekend. And I was playing around with some tools to try to come up with a photo that sort of captured what I was trying to communicate. I was trying to come up with a, a, use an AI tool to create an image. And the particular one that I was using, which I'm not going to mention because I just don't want to throw (laughs) anyone under the bus. It just wasn't even coming close. And I don't know if the problem is that the technology is not really advanced enough to give me what I was looking for, or if I just didn't know how to use the prompts well enough. And I'll go back and I'll try again. I'll assume that they're both working on their technology. And I'll also assume that if I invest a little bit more time in it, that I can probably figure out how to prompt it. And that's the key, right? With with any of this AI technology, yeah. ChatGPT, if you're not clear on what you're asking it to do, you're not going to get what you're looking for most of the time. And so I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this, but Missional Marketing, we are working on a, a sermon 
tool. I think you, you've already had David Thorne on the show and you know David is our, our research and development guy and David has been working with a team to put together a, a tool that will help pastors prepare their sermons. Now, I'll be honest, sermon prep is probably the place that I am the least comfortable actually using AI. I have a plan, a system, a rhythm, a process that I utilize. I did play around with our internal tool a little bit to prep this sermon that I'm preaching this weekend. And I didn't really get out of it what I was particularly looking for. Now, I've been preaching for a long time. And I also had plenty of time to give to it this week. I'm not preaching a sermon every single week. I preach, you know, maybe once a month. And so I had a little bit more time to process and prepare and, and prep for this particular sermon. So I didn't feel the, the pressure of going, oh my goodness, it's it's Thursday and I don't have my sermon written yet. Whereas other pastors, I know, man, I talked to a pastor just a few weeks ago that had, you know, two funerals in one week and then a wedding on the Saturday. And you can't plan funerals. The wedding was planned. You can't plan the funerals. And Yet he also had to, he's a solo pastor, small church of, a, you know, 110, 120 people. And he was on, on Sunday. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, we talked about was, you know, just using chat GPT to give you an outline, um, unless you want to go somewhere else and borrow somebody else's outline, which is certainly a possibility, but you know, that's something that you can do that I think would save you some time if you were in that particular place. You know, I don't know how much Cassandra automations fit into the category of AI. I'm a big automation guy. So when it comes to using things, uh, platforms like Glue or MailChimp or you know any church management software that you have, I don't know that we would necessarily can always consider that at this level, artificial intelligence. But there's definitely some logic behind the way that some of these applications work that give us the ability to create automations and sequences and things that, again, can create some real efficiencies for us. So, you know, data in, process out helps us connect with people better. And again, I don't know if we would consider that AI, but it's definitely technology automation that, again, creates some efficiencies and uh, can help you maximize your time and, and and minimize the effort that you're having to put into sometimes some administrative or just typical follow-up type of type of things. And Bar, are there any prompts that come to mind for you that pastors listening or church leaders listening could like input into chat GPT right now to play around with? Maybe they have a blog post that they've already written and they, you know, or they need help writing something that you've done recently. I don't know how specific I can I can get on that. Something else I was going to share with you, and and maybe this is along the Please. same line. It's not it's not necessarily with sermon content, but one of the pastors that I coach in a church revitalization ministry that I work with, he and I were sitting down a, a couple of months ago, and he had gone through an exercise with a vision team at his church to write a new purpose statement for the church and mm. to flesh out their core values, and they had landed mm. on their core values, but they didn't have clear descriptors for those core values. And this guy would not consider himself a writer. He would consider himself a pastor shepherd first and a theologian. But just because you're a pastor shepherd theologian doesn't necessarily make you a, a, a gifted writer. Not that he's a bad writer, but it's just not one of his, you know, one of his top, probably top five strengths. And we sat down and used ChatGPT to actually write the descriptors of the core values that he wanted to share with his church. He was going to preach through a sermon series on the four or five core values that they had established. And we were able to put prompts into chat GPT to sort of flesh out 
what the core value really means. Now we didn't use mm. what ChatGPT gave us word for word, but it gave us, you know, we basically prompted like, you know, give me a 50 word description of a core value of sacrifice or mm. something like that. And ChatGPT will give you 50 words. And again, sometimes it might hit the nail on the head. Sometimes it might look and feel a little bit robotic or sound robotic, but it gives you something that you can then start to massage and start to work with. It's kind of like having an extra person on your team to brainstorm with. And just because, you know, when you sit down and you're brainstorming with a team, you throw a whole bunch of ideas on the wall and you typically massage those things. You use the dry erase board, you use the sticky notes and you move stuff around and you, and you wordsmith it. You can do the same thing with chat GPT. It's just like having another brainstorm member on your team just because chat GPT said it right. doesn't mean that you have to use it for what it is. So yeah, that was another instance that we, you know, experimented with it to see if it could actually help us give us some content that we could use. I appreciate that bar. And that's, keeps coming up in our conversations is that chat GPT say that three times, right? Over chat GPT. Yeah. <laughs> You're sure to slip up there. But anyways, the, the goal is not to replace you or to, not to replace a, a pasture and their relationship and their, their conviction or expertise, but it's actually to be, like you said, a, an assistant, another brainstorming member of your team to give more ideas and for you to ultimately sift through and filter through and pray about before actually using that content or material. So I think it's something that we're like reiterating on this show as well, that chat GBT isn't to replace the pastor or to write your entire sermon for you. Although that's kind of like one of the, the fears is that it will, and that there are pastors out there just typing in things and, and fully reading whatever chat GBT produced. And I'm sure that that's going to happen, but <laughs> ultimately it's up uh, with great power comes great responsibility. That's what Jason Collier mentioned in our last episode. And, it, and it's true. It's another powerful tool, just like the internet was, you know, now it's something that we're, we're used to, but it's a new technology and tool that it's, and it's up to us to leverage responsibly. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of a podcast that I listened to. It's from the Malfers group and it is called the church revitalization podcast. That's what it's called. Scott Ball and AG Matthews are the, the co-hosts of that show. And several months ago, they did an episode where they prompted chat GPT to write a sermon. It wasn't really like a full length sermon. It would be you know more what you would see in a, in an Orthodox church, like a homily type of type of thing a little bit shorter. And so they prompted it and then they read it as if it was the sermon and, you know, and it wasn't very good. I mean, <laughs> it's just it to be perfectly honest, it, it, was, it wasn't really very good. But the truth is I've heard worse sermons preached by guys that spent 12 or 15 hours you know, prepping the sermon. Uh, but one of the, one of the, one of the things that they, they mentioned on that podcast, which I thought was kind of cute and, and I've repeated it several times, you know, does anybody really know what the GPT stands for? I don't. Maybe Jason Collier does because he's like a super smart guy. But I think Scott Ball and AJ Matthews said that it's, you know, God plus technology. There you go. Chat, GPT, God plus technology. So, you know, maybe maybe there is a faith base in there somewhere. Probably not. But I thought that was kind of cute. And I've repeated it a number of times because I thought it was funny. I think that's a great addition. And <laughs> I don't I don't know what GPT stands for. I was thinking generative programming technology or something like that, because we talked about like generative technology, but God plus technology, I think that's a great <laughs> thing to keep in the back of our head, you know, is that it's not technology plus God, it's actually God first plus technology. Yeah, that's, that is cute. And I, I will remember that.
I, again, I know that a lot of pastors are really reticent to, you know, put too much into using mm-hmm. a, a technology like ChatGPT. But, you know, again, I'll use this week as an example. I was using an AI tool to try to come up with an illustration. I had a very clear illustration that I was trying to make and I could not figure out a story from my own life. And so I was kind of like, huh, maybe there's something out there that, you know, I can, I can prompt the AI tool to give me a story or give me some illustrations that kind of land on this. And I was looking for actual like news stories. And the truth is what I got from the AI tool was pretty lame. It didn't match what I needed. So you know what I did? I went to Google and I Googled it. And guess what? I got what I was looking for. The reality is pastors have been using Google for quite a long time. A lot of pastors use, you know, the Logos Bible software, which is really a way of of tapping into, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of volumes of theological books and commentaries uh, to extract information from those rather than having to read every single commentary that's ever been written. They can actually use that software platform to extrapolate what they're actually looking for. And so, you know, I think, again, it, it's one thing to say, hey, chat GPT, give me a, a recipe for, you know, strawberry banana bread with cream cheese icing and let it give you that recipe. And then you take that and you do it. And then you serve, you know, your dinner guests or your neighbors, this recipe. It's a different thing to say, hey, chat GPT, write me a sermon, and then you stand on the stage on the platform on Sunday morning and read what the robot gave you. Again, I don't think that the technology is advanced far enough that people won't be mm-hmm. able to figure it out pretty quickly because it's just not, it's not great quality. But again, using it, you know, we within our platform that we're developing at Missional Marketing, we've got you know, the ability to do Greek and, and Hebrew word studies and cross-referencing and things like that. And so it's trying to bring a lot of different technological tools into one place, which I guess is intelligent. And I don't even know how artificial that is. It's just a really good practice uh, to be able to do those things. <laughs> so far, as we talk about some of these challenges, are there any other challenges that you've faced when implementing AI for church plants or just in, even in your own usage or that you foresee happening for church leaders and pastors that that want to start leveraging this technology? I think as much as anything else, I think it's really important that pastors are honest about their sources. You know, there was a a pretty big incident a couple of years ago with some fairly well-known pastors who were accused Mm. of plagiarizing from other pastors' content. And, you know, everybody does. Every sermon I preach, I know has been influenced by something that someone else has written or preached. I want to be true to what God is revealing to me through his word and through my own personal study. But, you know, I'm not the smartest guy on the block. There are other people who are much better versed in some of these things than I am. And so, you know, certainly I I, I leverage the use of commentaries that have been written by, you know, old dead guys who knew their Bible better than I know it today and maybe will ever know it. I've listened to sermons from other pastors and I'll jot down little notes and things that they say. I think the most important thing is is full disclosure. And, you know, it, it is, I think, a little cringy right now for a pastor to say, hey, you know, I was short on time this week. So I use ChatGPT to give me this outline because we really want our sermons to be we want them to be inspired. We want them to be inspired by God. We don't want them to be inspired by a robot. But again, I think that you can take the inspiration that God has given you 
and you can take the questions that God has given you, and you can take the questions that your congregation has, and you can utilize some of these tools to formulate an answer and formulate content that will ultimately help them. And again, you know, ChatGPT or the artificial intelligence is it's just extrapolating data from somewhere else, right? It's it's not making it up. It's finding it somewhere else and exactly. you know, it's it's garbage in, garbage out, or it's gold in, gold out, right? Whatever, whatever the artificial intelligent platforms are are feeding us, they've gotten the data from somewhere else. And so again, checking your mm-hmm. sources. I'm not, you know, I, I think it was Kerry Newhoff. I was listening to a podcast and, you know, he had ChatGPT write his biography based on what it found in the internet. And it had him, you know, several years younger than he actually is, which basically means the the robot didn't find his correct birth date. Now, where it pulled that information, I don't know. And and I think that, you know, especially when it comes to theological things, uh, we as pastors, we have a responsibility to, you know, fact check ourselves and certainly fact check any digital tools that we're Mm. using. I don't, if I'm using Google, just because somebody else wrote it and said it doesn't always make it true. And so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fact check that as well. And I, again, I just think it's full disclosure. I don't think there's anything wrong with using digital tools and artificial intelligence to prep sermons or to write content. But I think it's important that you give some disclosure when you're doing it. I appreciate that. And I think that's going to further give the tool the integrity that it deserves and needs in order to be mass leveraged, right? If we are consistent in our responsibility and integrity of that of that tool. I think that's going to make a big make a big difference versus like I know students and probably college students right now are leveraging the tool to like write their essays for them, right? And that, that's probably a big thing in like in universities and academia, right? Like they can't tell the difference between the two and and again, but as believers and as followers of Jesus Christ, you know, we have sort of an internal check system for us, right? Like the Holy Spirit and convicting us whether like okay, we know that we just use ChatGPT to create this or it was plagiarized. And the hope is that we would follow, still follow that intuition and that internal checking that like, hey, maybe this isn't the best, you know, idea or the disclosure is there. And there is a fine line. Hey, it, it helped me come up with some illustrations or stories or an outline versus it wrote the entire sermon for me. So I think that's going it, to, it, it's going to depend on our relationship with God too, our individual relationship with God and, and checking in with, with him and the Holy Spirit when we leverage any tool, right? Whether that's the mm-hmm. internet, AI or otherwise. So I appreciate that. So kind of closing our episode today, Bart, I'm curious to know your thoughts on the, the future of AI and content marketing and as it relates to you know, church planters and ministry. What do you think is going to be some of those those bigger things that are on the horizon for us and that we should you know look out for and get excited about early? Yeah, I, I mean, I I am far from an expert in these things, and and I I, I I don't know how much I can contribute to that conversation. You know, I have a foot in both worlds in the you know the internet and in the digital space, and then of course a foot in the in the church and the local ministry space. You know, for the last five years since I've been working on the missional marketing team, you know, we've really emphasized website SEO and and content on the internet. I suspect that the use of some of these artificial intelligence tools are probably going to change the way. SEO on websites works. It's going to change the way our search engines work. 
I'm not smart enough to be able to predict what's going to happen and where that's going, but it's it, everything is moving at, at such a breakneck pace. I would imagine that it's not going to take long for some of these things to really shift. And I just think as the church, we tend to lag behind shifts in technology pretty consequentially. And I think it's important that we are open to embracing the advances in this technology with a proper ethical framework, right? As you just said, without our ethics, we are nothing. Without our morals, we are nothing. So I think that we need to, you know, guard ourselves and and be cautious. But at the same time, I think we'd be, we'd be ignorant to not pay attention. You know, if, if when the Gutenberg press was created, the church decided that we really shouldn't print Bibles. And yes, there were those people who didn't think we should be printing Bibles, you know, but if the Bible hadn't been printed, the church would have never advanced the way that it did after that point. And, you know, these are technology shifts that we're seeing today that if the church doesn't figure out how to embrace them, I think, again, we get left behind. Now, all that being said, there are some pastors and some church leaders that are probably listening to this who would say, yeah, well, three years ago during the COVID pandemic, People were telling us that we needed to create virtual reality church services, and that was going to be the future of the church. And yes, it's true. There were some people that were pounding that podium pretty hard, and and there are some churches that are still experimenting and investing with those types of things. But I don't think the church is ever going to be a fully virtual experience, right? So VR is definitely a real thing. It's definitely a technology that we have to figure out how to leverage and how to utilize but man, AI in terms of content creation, I just don't think there's any way around it because it's not going to be long before virtually every business on planet Earth is using AI in some capacity to create their content. Not every business is going to have a virtual reality setup, right? You can't get your nails done or your hair done at the local salon via VR. But those salons could at some point be using some kind of photographic artificial intelligence platform to give you designs and looks and ideas and things that you might want to do with your hair or your nails, if you're a hair nails Mm -hmm. person, which I am clearly not. So I I don't know, as a church, as as the church, I just think, you know, we've got to be open-minded, open-hearted, but we've got to be guarded. And I think that, you know, with that kind of posture, I think that there will be some good, solid Christian organizations and uh, and companies, a lot like missional marketing, where our commitment is to the local church and people coming to know Jesus. And we're going to figure out how to leverage these things in a way that actually benefit God's kingdom and help us bridge the gap between where people are in their distance from God and where they need to be in their you know reconciliation with God through Jesus. And so I think that there, there are going to be some tools that will help us. Uh, right now, everything that's out there is just sort of a it's like to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But one of my biggest pet peeves is when I look at church websites and they have like um, six or eight people on staff. So it's a, it's a normative size church, not a big church. And they have their staff photos and every one of their staff photos was taken at a different place at a different location by somebody's cell phone or whatever. And the church has never actually hired a photographer. Maybe they're not even a place where they could hire a photographer. Maybe photographer's too expensive to come and take their staff photos. There are apps now, these artificial intelligent apps, where you can actually create headshots by simply uploading multiple high definition versions of pictures of yourself. And you can actually stylize them. So you can actually literally create headshots for your entire staff that all look like they were taken with the same background by the same photographer, but they're artificially created 
staff photos. Now, again, that might feel a little bit creepy to put artificially generated photos on your staff page on your website, but it would certainly make it look cleaner and nicer and a little more professional looking than sometimes what we see when we go to the church website. So that was just an idea I thought of just a minute ago. And where can our audience find this website or app? What would it be? I mean, sure, there are a bunch of them, but I don't know. Particular? I see people posting, like I have a friend who's a, a pastor, a church planter in New York, um, since I don't have permission to mention him, I won't. But he posted a whole bunch of, of headshots on Twitter. And he said, you know, he basically said, which one of these is AI? And he had like five or six photos there. And so people were commenting on the, on the tweet saying, oh, it's number two, it's number four, it's number three. I think sure. all but one was actually an artificially generated photo, but people couldn't tell. You were looking at them going, okay, one of them was an actual photo. The other three or four were sure. artificially generated. So I'm sure if you just Google, <laughs> just Google it, just Google, yeah. you know, AI yeah. headshot generator, you know, you can probably find it. I think there's several of them out there. I actually looked at one at one point and the cost for me to play around with it was I just couldn't part with the money. If I had a purpose in it, I might use it, but I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to pay to use it just to play. I've got other things I'd rather spend my money on, but Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe you have some money to burn and you want to get in there and play around with it. Or if you're a person that does those types of things professionally, maybe you're a website developer. If you're a website developer and you're working with a, any kind of business, whether it's a church or a ministry or a secular business, you know, use that tool to collect everybody's photos and you can create some, some headshots for the website that give them some consistency and a professional look. So just an idea. I think that's a great practical way and fun way to upgrade your website, right? Having some consistency or headshots for your staff. Maybe it's even fun. Maybe it's a, even some fun shots that sure. can yeah. also reach audiences like, oh, hey, these current headshots are kind of old or outdated or they don't match and kind of doesn't lend to the professionalism of the website or the image that we want to portray as a church. Here's some clean shots that we can get like without having to pay right? Would have having to invest not we don't want to put photographers out of business. That's not the, the PSA today, but it could save <laughs> thousands of dollars on professional photo, you know, photographs. And, and you're, you're saving churches and especially church plants, right? A ton of money and resources that they don't have and they can they can leverage in other ways. There you go. I love that. And then to your previous point, Bart, the in the gospel that says uh, preach the gospel to the whole inhabited earth and then the end will come, right? So we even have a duty to leverage the tools that we have in 21st century, right? Like these tools weren't available to believers, you know, back in uh, Martin Luther's days or Zinzendorf or whatever they had at that time to share the gospel. So it's like, why not leverage the tools in a responsible and ethical way, like you said, uh, that's aligned with our values and our beliefs as Christians to reach people to reach the whole inhabited earth because believe it or not there's still people in remote areas that have not heard the gospel of Christ and and, and these tools could possibly help us to to do that so why not right and of course that first and foremost is, is to pray about it and, and and look to God for wisdom and guidance and using any in any of these tools so so it was a pleasure to have you on the show today I think that there is a lot here that we addressed and I'm looking forward to comments and feedback from our audience to then help in stewarding these gifts for the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. Cassandra, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate you. Thanks, Blair. 
Thank you for listening to the AI for Churches podcast, your one-stop shop for all things AI, ministry, and innovation. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to the podcast and drop us a comment. Let us know what you found helpful. Also, visit us at ai.missionalmarketing.com for more resources to help you unlock the power of AI for your ministry.